Hello, this is Peter Davison, and you're listening to Discussing Who. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and I will start out by welcoming back Nicole from the Terminus podcast. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Ah, good, good. You know, it's funny. It seems like we find a reason to talk about you or say something to you in every episode. And it's kind of cool that you're actually back with us in person this time. I know. I always feel like the, you know, the the fourth beetle. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was more than there were. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, but yeah, it's like I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm there even when I'm not there. Indeed, because in our last episode that aired, we said, I said, you know, two, I want to welcome two of the best co-hosts. And Lee says, the two of, and I said, but yeah, because Nicole's not here. (laughs) (laughs) I did indeed. But you know who I want to also say hello to? I want to say hello to Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. And as always, I am happy to be on another episode of Discussing Who. Yeah, well, good, dude. How are you? Cool. I'm How doing pretty y'all? good. Y'all, y'all folks. Yeah, How I am doing, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. I, I, It's Tuesday. I'm talking to you guys, and I'm talking about Doctor Who. I don't think it could get much better. So, yes, thank you. I'm glad to be here, and also Sweet. glad to be here, Mr. Lee Shackelford. True. I am indeed glad to be here with all y'all. We're going to say all y'all tonight. Okay. We're going to get all country today. Country. Representing the South. Well, I declare, I think it is very important that we get into the news right at this section because we have some news about some handlebars and handlebars, uh, handlebars and uh, Nicole. A handlebar mustache. A handlebar, no, just a handlebar because I think you are going to tell us about that. See, y'all have started something and I do not know if oh, I can yeah. get out of this voice. But Nicole. Oh, God, help us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, real you would start these things. Again. <laughs> you, you know, I, I do declare that the last time that I said something about I don't know if I can get out of this voice, I do de- believe that Mr. Lee Shackleford said something about like we will come up with a way to get we'll you come out up of it. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. So handlebars. Yeah. Who wants to talk about handlebars, Nicole or anybody? Tell me about handlebars and what does that have to do with Waters of Mars? Well, I had to post it on my Facebook page, which I guess I should have posted on Discussing Who, but I wasn't thinking because I was half asleep. It's not too late. uh, Yeah, I'll do it. Just you wait. Um, No, it's uh, a fan video that came out, I think it was within a year of Waters of Mars originally airing. And it's kind of like showing kind of the dark side of the doctor, the 10th doctor in particular. And at the time, you know, some people are like, oh, no, he's not really like that. I mean, he's really nice. And, you know, he would never do anything bad or or be like, you know, egotistical or, you know, overpowered or, you know, whatever. And then Waters of Mars aired. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> all the fandom was like, oh, my God, handlebars. And uh, I actually heard about handlebars, weirdly enough, from Paul Cornell. He wrote about it on his blog back at the time when it first came out. And it was just one of those things that a lot of people in fandom were 
discussing about how it sort of showed some of the darker edges of the 10th Doctor. And so it's kind of become sort of in conjunction with any sort of Waters of Mars discussion. It, it just kind of comes up all the time. So I thought, you know, I had to kind of put it in there because, you know, it's tradition. <laughs> mm. And it's a brilliant supercut. I mean, that's just one of the things you have to say about it is it's a true labor of love. Oh, yeah, it's really well done, this. It's just gorgeous. But, um, yeah, it does make a point. <laughs> so we have to link to that and recommend uh, everybody check it out. Indeed. And you know what? I have to give a, you know, a tip of the hat or whatever the appropriate thing to say is for any of these YouTube videos that people make where they take different scenes of Doctor Who and they pair them together. And I know recently we talked about a YouTube video, Clarence, when you asked me about or asked Lee and I about the timeline of River Song and I made the comment there is something out there that is her timeline and her perspective. Somebody took a lot of time to do yeah. that. So kudos to these people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I do the audio editing, but those video edits, I mean, because it's all visual and you do a lot of, you know, matching of scenes. And I mean, a lot of the people that do it, like I, one of the people I know that used to be a big Doctor Who vitter back like 10 years ago, she actually worked as a film editor. I mean, yeah. that was her day job. So, you know, if that's your thing, you know, it's it's maybe easier, but it does take a lot of work. Mm. Yeah. But, but you know what doesn't take a lot of work or maybe they didn't do a lot of work because they were not at the recent New York Comic-Con NYCC was Doctor Who. It did have a presence, but a small presence. And before I even get into what my small presence that I'm going to mention, curious to what you guys and Clarence, I'll give this to you first. What do you think of this kind of well-run dry from the whole Doctor Who apparatus that we don't even really have a presence at San Diego? Now it's New York, and you don't even have the companions there at the Comic-Con. Any yeah. thoughts? Uh, just makes you curious on the timeline, because if we're not getting any of the rumblings of what's going to happen hopefully soon in next year <laughs> that just kind of makes you think like when are we going to get anything new you know yeah yeah mm. they, they they already talked about the playstation 5 which is not going to come out to next christmas holiday <laughs> they, they just had a press announcement about it as well as many other tech things and television things for that matter we got some star trek discovery news and that's going to come out next uh, around next the beginning of next summer but the fact that we haven't heard anything kind of mm. makes it seem like we're not going to get anything next year so i don't know but correct yeah, me if i'm wrong know about the if we have a holiday special do we see see i we think yeah. I, I think i'm going to be right on my assumption that the idea of moving the christmas special to new year's for 2019 I still hold tight to what I'm saying. One episode in 2019 equals one of the years for Chibnall's contract. I, I really believe yeah. that, especially if we don't have a Christmas episode this year. 
He was just planting the flag. He's planting a flag in 2019. He planted one in 2018. And if he's got three seasons that he's or three, you know, years that he's got a contract on, guess what? Then 2020 will be his third. Maybe he's looking for an out. I'm guessing maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's kind of killing the momentum of the show. Like a lot of people like fans, like big fans are going to hang around and of course they're going to see it. But, you know, they got to, you know, whatever my feelings were about the last season, they got a big boost from that from a lot of new viewers. And now they're just going to lose them all because people just get disinterested if they don't hear about it for a long time. And I just think that's just hurting them. I, I'm just I'm just baffled by it. I just yeah. I I can't understand the timing. But you know, um, there's been a, a a James Bond movie every 18 months since what 1963, and they didn't release a James Bond film in 2007. The actual year 007, they didn't take <laughs> the opportunity. <laughs> To release <laughs> wow. a James yeah. Bond film, so obviously I don't understand how these things work. So, mm. 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 you know, maybe you know, it's almost like they need to put on handlebars or something and just drive it back into um, the minds of everyone. They'll just play that every like Saturday night or Sunday night, just on a loop for an hour <laughs> on BBC. <laughs> like, this is your Doctor Who for the year. Yeah, <laughs> you asked for it. There, here it is. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you know, uh, uh, again, a tip of the hat for our um, friends at Titan Comics because they at least are giving us content where Doctor Who proper really isn't. And I'm interested, actually, in seeing this comic that is supposed to be coming in 2020 that will pair the 10th and the 13th Doctors. I'm thinking that might be interesting. Yeah. Now, I haven't read any of the 13th Doctor comics, um, so I might try to get into that. But the one that I have read uh, from some of the past Doctors, I find that they're a little lacking. I know we, we reviewed one at one point. So I'm hoping that is actually worth our time. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it seems like if I had to choose between this and uh, something with Big Finish, I'd probably choose Big mm. Finish. So, mm-hmm. ooh, um, yeah, me too. Yeah, and isn't that odd? We we love we love yeah. Doctor Who. We love comics, but I don't enjoy the Doctor Who comics. I just yeah, they're they're <laughs> usually lackluster. Mm. Yeah, but 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 I will say this: if we are going to possibly even thinking about doing a big finish can i suggest a uh a, a story from big finish legacy of time or whatever mm. the new one is you, you just want the 13th doctor in river song oh well <laughs> n- no i was just saying the diary of river song or any of the diaries of river song <laughs> you know you yes. want one with River Song, Kyle? Can you believe it? Yeah. You like River Song? Never. No, who would have thought? <laughs> he does. Yeah. That's a, yeah, he does. It's a revelation. Everybody sit down. Kyle likes River yes. Song. Believe it How or not. How about that? Just this once. Just this once. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I also want to make reference real quick and. I think this will segue right before we get into the review. But, you know, I said when we 
we're not recording or right before we got started that I've even seen this time being referred to a hiatus. And, you know, we, we think of the last hiatus other than the 1989 through 1996 hiatus as being the time before trial of the time Lord. Nicole, you mentioned something called like basically doctor in need or help save. Doctor in distress. Yes. So tell, Everybody about what oh. doctors in distress was. Oh my god! Oh my god! Ooh, once seen, never unseen. Um, it's so back when it came out, it was right before the uh, the uh, Trial of the Time Lord series with Colin Baker, and they were on a hiatus. And so they, it was around the time that you know you would have like Live Aid and Band Aid and We Are the World and all those sort of group sing things. So they made a song called "Doctor in Distress" that has like Colin Baker singing and it has um, Nicole, Nicola Bryant singing, and then it has all these mostly kind of semi unknown singers. I mean, not really well known people, and the song is. Um, Oh my God, I've just totally forgotten the guy's name. He also wrote the Canine and Company theme, and he's known for being a very disgruntled Doctor Who fan. And <laughs> people are yelling at me right now saying the yeah. name, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm just tired. But um, it, is, it is a crazy song. Like, it is... Okay. It's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like you just need to look it up on YouTube, Doctor in Distress. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never forget it. That's that's all I can say. Well, before we get into the review, I've got one last piece of news, and I want you, Nicole, to point everyone where they can hear the complete story, because I loved your step-by-step, day-by-day, moment-by-moment recount of your time at DragonCon. That was so much fun listening to it. And I know we've referenced on this show about wishing you well, and we knew you had gone to... You got to meet some of our idols in the sense of David Tennant, Catherine Tate, and Freema Agjeman. So, having said that... He said it. I did. I'm so proud. I said her name right. Yay. So, having said her name correct, quick Reader's Digest condensed version, how was it meeting those three? Well, it was... It was super quick. I mean, it's like blink and you miss it, especially when you take a picture with them. You literally walk up and they're like, click, you know, and you're like, thanks, you know, and you walk off. Um, It was a little faster when I got their autographs, but still like, you know, I had the I actually recorded audio of when I met all three of them to put on my podcast and. Yes. It was like 30 seconds <laughs> meeting them. I mean, they were it was so quick. But yeah, it was they were really all super sweet, really nice, very generous with their time. Um uh Catherine recorded a bumper for me which Kyle helped on the audio for. Yeah, it was great. And for everyone listening, you can go and check out the complete. And again, I say it's, it is very detailed. I love it. I love the fact that you said that this was a mini episode and, and it was like so detailed, but, but it was so cool for someone who didn't go to kind of like virtually hear a recount of someone's trip. That was fun. So I enjoyed that. Oh, good. I was worried I went into too much detail, but then I kind of approached it. I was like, well, what would I want to hear? And yeah. I'm like, I'd, I'd want to hear 
the whole thing because then you live vicariously through them. So, yeah, yeah. I just want to say the the audio bites were freaking fantastic. I love those. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah, little vignettes of happiness. Yes. Yes. Sometimes I just play them and go, "Oh, yeah, that (laughs) happened." (laughs) I have documentary evidence. There you go. And and you know that is such a marvelous idea. And really quick before we move on, I want to say that someone, correct me if I'm wrong here, but someone had told you that when you go and you're meeting, basically use your phone as the audio recorder and record that moment mainly because you are in such a state of euphoria meeting someone that you admire that you don't really remember the things that you said, hence me meeting, um, you know, Peter Davison and having no idea really of what I said other than we got a bumper. Right. Yeah. You just, yeah. I mean, you're just kind of in a altered state almost. You're just, you're nervous, you're, you're excited and it just goes by really quick. And um, I think I even said in the podcast, like even when I met David Tennant, it felt like it was a few minutes of a conversation, but it was really only 30 seconds. It was really quick. Yeah, I I, I mean, I used my I had a, a recorder. Um, oh, you had a recorder. On. I know Lee has the same recorder. Um, yeah, 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 Tascam. And I had that with me. Uh, but I just had it just sitting at my side because I didn't want them to think that I'm like going to shove it in their face. So you can just have it nearby. Um, <laughs> no, I did shove it in Catherine's face. That's mm-hmm. why she's so loud in her recording. <laughs> she has a very loud voice. You know, yeah. you opened it up. I, I had to say it. Because you said you had a recorder and, you know, hey, oh, dear, I seem to have lost my recorder. Yeah. But, you, but you know what I haven't lost? I haven't lost the fact that at this moment we need to say if you have not seen Waters of Mars, go out, watch the episode, put us on pause. Actually, put us on pause, then go watch the episode, then come back, take yeah. us off pause. Because from this moment <laughs> forward, spoilers. 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 All right, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review The Waters of Mars. This is the second of the 2009 Doctor Who specials, and it aired on the 15th of November 2009. It featured the Doctor arriving on Mars and encountering a crew whose time had run out. Before we get into it, I should also note that this story was originally intended to be a Christmas special, with Christmas references remaining in the story even after that they made that decision not to have it as a Christmas special. And I think the working title originally was Red Christmas. Christmas, yeah. yeah. I thought that was interesting, because I was like, can you imagine that having been a Christmas special? Interesting. <laughs> wow. So, summary view, summary view. <laughs> so, Clarence, why don't you start us out? Summary view. What did you think of this episode? Man, I felt that it was a good exploration of the whole concept or theory, as the doctor puts it, uh, of the fixed point in time. I, I, it was a lot better than the um, portal bat hell demons that we got <laughs> with Rose in, I think it was Father's Day. If yeah, it was Father's mm-hmm. Day. Yep. So I, I love the exploration there, and um, yeah, uh, Doctor Unchained, I guess. <laughs> what did you guys think? All right, Lee, what do you say? I, I've never liked this this special, and watching it again, I said that's why I've never liked this special. 
Um, but I did think that, that the doctor having this moment of the time Lord victorious is, is fascinating. And you kind of wonder why it hasn't happened before. Um, so, you know, I, I give it props for that, but otherwise it's just another base under siege story that we've seen a thousand times. And, um, I don't know. It's just, you, you expect so much more from one of these specials. It's just, it's disappointing is the word I'll put on it. So Nicole, Nicole. Wow. Okay. Um, I think this is actually one of David Tennant's best performances as the doctor. And it is definitely one of my favorite stories. And I think it's just the perfect story. uh, I don't know what you would call it. Just sort of like, the perfect distillation of the 10th doctor's character and his whole arc just sort of mashed into one. Cause you can kind of see him kind of going in that way. And then they just, they do it. Cause usually they sort of kind of tease that a little bit with like, you know, killing the Rachnos or, you know, with the family of blood when he's, you know, dishing out those tortures this time they lean into it and they're like, yes, this is the 10th doctor. He can be really scary. And, you know, I I actually really like that. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a Seventh Doctor fan. I like a Dark Doctor. So, yeah. Mm. You, you know, I think I, I did love the explanation to the fixed point. But this is one of the specials that I don't revisit. And I'm going to echo Lee and what he said. And now I remember why. Um it's not that I dislike it per se, but there's nothing in it that makes me come back to it other than a reason. And tonight's reason is we're reviewing it. Um, I do think it has some interesting points. And there is a point that I'm going to make later on that I never got before or never formulated in my head until I went into review mode. So so I did get something new out of it this time, which is cool. But from the story itself, I just kind of am take it or leave it. it it's, it's not mm. one that I would just go back and rewatch just for, oh, well, you're going to love this episode. I would be more like, hmm, watch it. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't want to talk about it. Let's uh, yeah. g- move on. Now, now, I do get your point on rewatchability. For some reason, I I still enjoyed it. I thought it was a good watch. But, you know, again, like on that point of rewatchability, I don't think I want to see it again anytime soon. See? But it was it was fun while I was in there. So I still think it was an OK episode, though, in that aspect. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, does, does rewatchability I always come? Oh, go on. I was just going to say, does rewatchability always constitute it being good? I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think, like, Adelaide is such a strong character, and I love seeing her working up against the Doctor. Like, those two together in, like, every scene, to me, is just electric. And I think part of it is just, you know, Lindsay Duncan is, like, just such a high caliber of actor. And I really think that Tennant really raised his game to, like, match up with her energy. And I just, for me alone, just, just if it was just the two of them together... That would be enough for me to rewatch it like all the time, you know, take out the Time Lord Victorious, you know, everything. If it was just those two having conversations, then I would be totally here for it. So for mm, me, yeah. I like that rewatch. I give you that. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, it, I have to second that too. Even though I don't like it, but boy, you can't say a word against Lindsay Duncan and and, and Adelaide. I mean, she is amazing. No, I agree. And, and to go back to you know what Clarence asked to answer his question, I don't think the two being watch rewatchability and good story are mutually exclusive because I think in some cases it comes down to someone's personal preference in what they like in a story. Now, I think if all of us were sitting here saying we dislike this episode and every one of us say it universally, then it's absolutely the story or it's a bad story. But if there are aspects that each of us like, I think it's a personal preference because we've got Nicole saying, I love this episode. And we've got me who's saying, hmm, you know, I could kind of give or, you know, take it or leave it. And then we got, you know, Lee saying, I really don't like this one. So there's obviously, you know, the personal preference there. But if you go go into and I hope we're all going to be in agreement, crossing my fingers, sleep no more. I don't really. I'm, I'm dreading getting to that one. <laughs> you can't that wait. Yeah. So genius! Oh my god! Like like sleep creatures from your eyes. I mean, no, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> it, was, right. it was a noble effort. Yes. Yes. I really tried. I really did. <laughs> but you know what is a noble effort? I will say that it, I do give them credit for. Creating this environment where I'm able to ask the questions that I am about to ask now. So, Clarence, isn't it, you know, we talk about the doctor arriving in this place with these people where he sees that the date that they are going to die and he sees and he knows, okay, this has to happen. And since you brought up the fixed point in time, do you think that isn't his presence there already impacting what happened? Well, that's kind of the justification he takes throughout the story for not, you know, jumping in and, and changing things uh, as he usually would. And he even states that um, he's under impression that when he does interfere, it causes um, the thing to happen, sort of like the, the Pompeii episode. So um, I kind of see his reasoning and I, I don't he's he's not wrong. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's so confusing because uh, you don't want to be the one to set off the events that cause the thing that you're trying to prevent. You know, that's a story we see all the time. And and, you know, he has that feeling that he has been the catalyst in these situations and he wants to just kind of be hands off. And I don't blame him for that. OK, so, Lee, let me ask you this question. With with what we're seeing here and, you know, and I agree with what Clarence just said, but what we're seeing here, you know, it's like we as a viewer know that we're watching the doctor and we're expecting the doctor to make things better in the end. Did you ever question while watching this whether or not the doctor really might change the outcome and save everyone at the end? Or did you just kind of accept it as it was. I remember going along with it the first time I saw it and wondering if this was going to be the start of a bold new direction for Doctor Who, you know. I, I, I didn't think that likely, but I thought, well, let's see what they do. Because it all seems valid. Interesting. But, you know, it's like we're going to uh, – or maybe this is uh, – you know what I thought was that this is like Greek tragedy, is that what's going to happen that kills this doctor? And the reason why he dies is because he got above himself. 
Hmm. So I often say the word curious when Hmm. we are reviewing. And Nicole, let me ask you this question. Do you think at any point, you know, was it the doctor's curiosity that might have taken over of could I save them? Did you get a hint of that? Or what What do you think was going through the doctor's mind? I don't know. It's interesting um, because you have the story with the 10th doctor, who a lot of the 10th doctor's angst is kind of around things like fixed point. I mean, that thing, is that gets hit really hard during his tenure. I feel like that's like one major thing for him. And so um, I think that there is definitely a part of him that, is just like, no, no, I can't do anything. Obviously, maybe I was here originally, and I don't know about it because obviously everyone died. So they're not going to say, hey, this guy showed up <laughs> on the day <laughs> and you know this happened because they don't know what happened to this day. So um, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was interesting that he kept saying, okay, I got to go, uh, I got to go. But it was kind of interesting watching him deal with that because – like, yeah, in Pompeii, he was able to save one person. And he does, you know, in the end, save three people. But it's still kind of, it's, it's, I think that for me, it's interesting to watch him go through that struggle in his head. Because on the one hand, he, he wants to be good time lord boy. And then on the other, he's like, but God, these are real people in front of me suffering. Like, when he's listening to all them die, which I don't know why he can hear them like i don't know how he's picking up the audio but you know it's still a i like it but there's also fires on mars and i'm like no oxygen what but but anyway that that bugged me too aside from that um you know hearing all those people who have become real to him that he's met they're not just people in a book or wikipedia or whatever it seemed to be apparently they still have wikipedia in 2059 but you know it's not just these people that are names to him they're people now and so i loved watching that struggle i don't know i i really wasn't sure what he was gonna do watching Hmm. it so i mean i i know now obviously you know because i've seen it but Hmm. the first time i i didn't know i was like wow what are they gonna do or is he just gonna let them all die (laughs) you know all right, so Clarence and Lee, what about you guys? Did you think in watching this at some point that the doctor would save everyone at the end, or were you pretty much, as Nicole said? You certainly have to wonder, and it is one thing that the script does very well, is that as people keep dying, you, you do start kind of shouting at him, aren't you going to do anything about this? Just as Donna did in Pompeii. You can't. You can't just turn and walk away. So, it's a very interesting dramatic tension. Indeed it is. What what about you, Clarence? Yeah, I think it was interesting seeing the doctor operate without doing what the doctor does. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's just kind of there. And uh, I think, good point, Lee, we don't have a companion there to tell him, oh, no, you better help these folks, you know. Mm-hmm. So, he's left to make the decision himself. And he is... He even meant his being bound by the laws of the Time Lord. And and I don't know. I think he's trying to be a good boy. <laughs> I think he, I really think he is. But yeah. still, like you said, we, we, we hear in this case all these people 
dying as he walks away. So I don't know, just a tough position. Yep. And being and, and in reference to being a good boy, he literally tried to leave at the beginning and it mm-hmm. and he was, you know, forced to stay because they assumed he might have something to do with the first act of the flood, the creatures or whatever you want to call them, you know, doing something and the assumption immediately is, you know, hey, you know, this guy shows up and bad things start happening. You are not going anywhere, basically. Yeah, yeah but Adelaide also says later, she's like, you don't look like a coward, you know, but yeah. you've been trying to leave the whole time. So she mm-hmm. kind of is certain to, you know, clue in that he's kind of going against his nature a little bit. But, you know, he's still like, oh, I got to go and, you know, all that stuff. So I don't know. Mm. Clarence, I think you were about to say something. Uh, no, I was just going to say, it was, what's cool about that is I think that we as the viewing audience start to feel that tension that's building up in him because at the same time we're wanting him to do something and he's wanting to do something. So we kind of feel that along with him throughout the episode. Mm. So, you know, I find interesting, you know, we've often said that Doctor Who likes making scary things that are most common. And water has always been seen as replenishing and cleansing and nourishing. And in this case, water literally is the evil for which, you know, you need to be afraid of. Literally, it says, don't drink the water, don't even touch it, not one drop. So the wet people are the flood. And Lee, I'll point this to you first. What did you think? Thank you. You're welcome, sir. What did you think of the look of the infected by the flood, I shall call them? Did, did you know that this is my main gripe about this, this thing? Is I, that what you're asking me? I or? didn't, but <laughs> I felt that I needed to send that question to you. So yeah. maybe it's this contact, contact, contact. Contact. Yes. Exactly. No, it's – I mean, because I'm always interested in production design and maybe especially about makeup design, I always feel like it has to be um, have the visual effect that's intended to be frightening or whatever it is that it's supposed to be. But it also has to have an internal logic. And uh, our experience of having too much water in our bodies is that it affects the body in certain ways. If you don't have enough water, then your skin cracks. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, from the very first time we saw them, I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then as the, as the, the episode goes on and the, and the, the, the flood people are basically uh, human fire hydrants now, I'm thinking that is not what that would look like. And it just, it, it, you know, it just, it takes me right out of the story. I just, every time I see them, it's just like, it's like rubbing it in. It's like your skin wouldn't crack like that. You would balloon. You would, you would, <laughs> I would always had the impression that the, the, and this is just my interpretation, yeah. um, but that the dryness was that the flood was utilizing all the water from the human's body and sort of absorbing it out. And that's why mm-hmm. they were drying out. But I don't know. There's, I mean, there's too much water. There's just, just it, I mean, it makes water. The first thing I just it would do is fill up all the actors. Confidential. That was cold water because it had yeah. to be clean water. So it was cold and it was February in Wales. So uh, they, were, they were cold. Well, if you notice those, those uh, actors, for the most part, a lot of their scenes, they were filmed from a distance. 
So I was thinking to myself, and especially if you were filmed from a distance with your head facing in the opposite direction, I was thinking, <laughs> what an easy and cheap uh, special effect. Just put a couple of hoses uh, up your pants and down your arms and say, oh, look at me. I'm <laughs> water person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Except that it's freezing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So my next question, Clarence, I want to ask you, you know, we, we are talking about these people and making fun of how they look with their faces and whatever. How do you think these compare in comparison to other Doctor Who monsters of the day that we've seen that we've, you know, not the Daleks or not the Cyberman, but just some of these one-offs that we've seen before. Tim Shaw, even with bad faces, you know, hey, let's compare them to Tim Shaw. He had bad uh, facial features. They have bad facial features. How would, how would you compare them? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, well, let me just say first, I, I rather liked the look of these flood people. Um, though, like Lee said, logically it doesn't make any sense at all. And I, I don't know, some, for some reason, uh, seeing them on set with all the water on them and obviously in freezing cold, I thought it was cool. So I'll say that. But, you know, we just talked about the, um, fly people in the last episode. And I would much rather have this aesthetically than have the fly heads. Oh, true that. <laughs> um, and, and, and also this looks, cool in HD, which just the overall episode, I thought it looked really well. So, I don't know. I Could have done better probably, but I don't know. I think it was okay. Hmm. Okay, cool. I, I, my thought is, you know, I had never thought of the dry skin versus all the water, honestly, Lee, until you said that. I thought it was unique. And Clarence, I'll agree. I'd, I'd take them over a fly any day. So, um, as far as menacing though, I, I don't know if I got them as a menace. I did like the aspect or the thought of be careful of water because think about it. The condensation of water, it's so easy and we don't even think about it. It flows. Like yes. Water. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and we don't even think about water. If we get water on us, I was like, oh, well, you know, yeah. uh, no big deal, a little dry or just whatever. N never really think about that. So from that aspect, I, th I thought they were cool. Did you get Walking Dead vibes? I did get Walking Dead vibes, believe it or not. I did indeed. I did yeah. indeed. It's one of the things I don't like about this uh, special. Oh, you don't like zombies of a cat. Just Lee, yeah. it's not about the zombies, a wise well, person that's would it. say. But this is about the zombies. So. <laughs> uh, Boring. Well, Boring. see, it, it would it would have been really good, and just a tip of the hat again to Walking Dead fans, if her name would have not been Adelaide, if it would have been Carol, then it would have been even better. But since it was Adelaide, I want to come back, Lee, to something you said. When we were reviewing Journey's End, you made a comment about how this glorious, happy bringing the earth back home and we were supposed to, you know, feel joyous about it. And, you know, I never thought about the people who might have been hurt or might have been whatever because I was so focused on, oh, this joyous moment. Yes. I find it interesting that 
in this one, they refer to the stolen earth and the Daleks and her parents being going away and never coming back. So what did you think of this callback to the bad things that happened during our finale, especially after you brought that up in our review? Yeah, I wondered if that was sort of an attempt to uh, to, to acknowledge that it wouldn't have been as easy as all that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's just I, I, I do like uh, the the rich backstory and I guess front story for for Adelaide the the things that have happened in her her family and the things that are going to happen in her family. I think that's a that's a just a cool idea throughout, uh, and reminded me uh, for all of us Star Trek fans of. Uh, uh, tomorrow is yesterday. So cool. I was I was waiting for Clarence to say, "Ah, yes." <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Episode of uh, the original series in which uh, somebody gets accidentally pulled out of time, and they say, "Well, you know, it's okay because he's he doesn't, you know, we don't find him in the encyclopedia. He didn't do anything." And then Spock keeps looking, and then he comes back and says, "Except his son is going to be the first person to land on." one of the moons of Jupiter. Oops. So now we got to get him back to him. Yeah. So Oops. it's not about him. It's about his kids. See, so. if they would have only known that that was a fixed moment, then that's right. That's why they need Dr. Who sky is a fixed point. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Daleks know. I mean, who knew that Daleks <laughs> felt like, <laughs> like the timelines, like, Oh, we shouldn't mess with her because like you would think a Dalek would be like, only Dalek that's, that's a target because that's going to mess with the time Lords, yes. <laughs> you mm. know? But Yeah. So what did y'all but think I'm of that? Totally there, oh, I'm, I was just going to say, I'm totally there that maybe a building collapsed on her parents or something. And that's why they never came home. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they just ran off without her. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, that you could have know, happened. Could've. People yeah. do it. You know, yeah, Ray saying the same thing. They ran they, off of the Dalek. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they they might have moved to the lost moon of Push or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> but but back to the Daleks, real quick. Why do we think we got this idea uh, that the Daleks knew how important she was? This was just a regular Dalek and. You know, I, I I don't know if I bought this Dalek looking in the window and saying, oh, she's special. I don't know if I bought that. Did you guys? It, it's it's a little hard to explain. Yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, it is a comment that the doctor makes, but he doesn't state it as fact. He says, well, maybe that Dalek knew you were important. But honestly, maybe the Dalek was just bored and was like, nah, I don't really feel it. Like <laughs> or got called to go somewhere place. else. That's right. Yeah. That, yeah. She, just, she got saved by a, a stroke of luck. But yeah, no, if the Dalek knew that she was a super important human, all the more reason to kill her. Mm. Yeah. I don't get that part either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean... Yeah, it just, I didn't get it. Didn't, <laughs> just didn't get it. But what I did get, and I'm curious, Clarence, what do you think with, Ad, uh, with Adelaide, or Adelaide, um, where do you think she changed from the point of, I'm here to save everyone, you know, to the point of accepting her fate and being ready to, die and she's she knows that there's a future and that she's important to it at what point did for you did she 
change from survival mode to accepting fate mode? Hmm. I think it's pretty obvious when when the uh, spaceship explodes. Um, it's kind of no way out at that point. Uh, so I, I guess she doesn't know what a TARDIS is. So, <laughs> so she, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that's it, right? True. I mean, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I think it's either between like when he's like going a bit nuts and trying to do all the stuff before everything blows up. She's already going no and she's pressing self-destruct. But I know I think what really pushed her over the edge was when they're back on Earth and he said he called uh, Mia and Yuri little people. And she was like, little people. <laughs> I mean, she yeah. was bad. And um, I think that just pushed over. Because that's her crew. I mean, she would ride or die with them. They are mm-hmm. they are her people. And for him to just be all high and mighty and to put them down like that, she's like, oh, no, this is this is not good. I need to I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. That's how I saw that, too. Is that that's that seems to be the moment. Mm. Say what? So let's let's actually talk about the Time Lord Victorious, as he calls himself. And what I want to bring up is, you know, I, I have a note here or part of my note that says the man who has lost so much is finally tired of losing. So my question then becomes and, and Nicole, you've you've made reference to there being a shift in the doctor's personality and. My question, so I'll point that to this next to you. Why do you think we see a shift in his personality in this episode? Um, I think the Doctor post-Time War, I mean, you get this with the Ninth Doctor too and the Tenth Doctor. Eleventh Doctor is moving away from it a bit, but I think he's just pretty broken. And he's just not in a good place emotionally. He's not making good decisions and whatever. And I just, I think... He's just fed up. I mean, I don't know if there was anything in particular. I think you just hit that point where you're just done with losing everyone. And I mean, he's he's somewhat recently, I don't know how long ago, lost Donna. He's lost Rose. You know, he's still dealing with all that. And probably because <laughs> it's him, he's probably not like actually dealing with it. He's just kind of stuffing it down. And so, right. you know, he's he's trying to push everybody away. You know, you have like an I wasn't on your Planet of the Dead episode, but, you know, he she's like Lady Christina wants to travel with him. He had that opportunity and he's like, uh, nope, you know, and so he's kind of pushing himself to be very alone. And and I just feel like he's a ticking time bomb. And this is where it went off. You know, mm-hmm. he just like it just. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's not really a good reason for it, but I do think, as I said, he was a, he was a time bomb, and that was when it went off. <laughs> Last of the time, the time bombs. The Time Lord bomb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the time, time Lord Victorious bomb. <laughs> All right, so Lee, what about you? What do you think? Why do you think there was this shift? Or did you see a shift? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of the story of the specials. And I guess, is this my... my theater literature background but you know this is this is what heroes are supposed to do when we know they're going to fall this is this is goes back to the the plays of the greeks and the romans as they they get above themselves they 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 forget that they're human and Mm. uh that ends up being what destroys them uh hamartia 
is the Greek word. I was told I may not be pronouncing that right, but it's just the, the, the hubris, the, the, uh, the, the idea that, you know, I don't have to answer for my own deeds. Oh yeah, you do. Mm. Oh yeah, you do. I think I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you reminded us, Nicole, that you, you haven't been on the, these last few because you, you were sharing something on Facebook and I thought it just made me punch the air. And I said, man, why didn't we talk about this at the time? But you're right. When there's this moment in, um, journey's end, is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I forget a lot what, of comments what, for that. What, what's the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is journey's end, but the, uh, the stolen earth and journey's end. Journey's end, yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where the doctor is outraged that, uh, Martha's going to participate in this plan to blow up the earth. And he's saying, you can't do that. And Nicole was very reasonably pointing out, Hey, last of the time lords, what, how, how you did that? You <laughs> did that. You actually did it. <laughs> how can you his be the sub, one here? His subconscious <laughs> knew that he didn't. Sparler. <laughs> He no, did. That, that, that hasn't unhappened yet. That, that hasn't unhappened because that hasn't been written yet. Well, it's exactly. But uh, but yeah. But but and so whether that's just an accident of the writing, you know, that the, the writer himself is not thinking about that, or this is actually what happens, you know, when when people start to get too uh, too big for their own britches, as we say down where I'm from, that they 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 stop thinking about their own. Uh, sins and they're quick to point out the sins of others. Mm. So, uh, you know, maybe this is it. This is the, the, the writers pointing him toward the end. So Clarence, what about you? Did you see a shift in the personality? And so what did you think? I think the point that uh, where I was really just off the doctor's team, <laughs> if this had been civil war, I'd be on the other side right now. Uh, <laughs> when he said little people, I mean, yeah. that, that was just too much, just too much. Yeah. And man, I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. and, and then he steps up on the soapbox and, and brags about how, how, how he's the last and the best and the winner. And Oh, doc. Yeah. <laughs> he was oh, tough, you? you know, and she's like <laughs> getting on him. He's like tough. I'm oh, like, Oh man. Hmm. So I had two thoughts on that. And my first thought was, you know, it's interesting going back and knowing now the things that we know. And I keep referring to or making reference to reviewing and watching these in a different mindset. And I'll probably continue to, you know, bring that up in future episodes of discussing who. But it is so true to me that watching these in a different mentality than just watching it for pleasure, it, it makes me see things that I didn't see before. And one of the things that I saw in watching this is from the character's point of view, in his personal timeline of the 10th Doctor, we now know that this episode in his continuity takes place prior to the day of the Doctor. The next place he goes is the day of the Doctor before returning to his continuity in the end of time. So again, in his personal timeline, that's what's happening. Having knowing that, um, I now see it from a perspective of he does know that he's going to regenerate. And in his mind, he only has one regeneration left. And he's, there, he's got this prophecy that, you know, he, he will knock four times. He's figuring out who he thinks it might be. And then. Maybe part of how he's acting has to do with 
facing that inevitable end, not just in mm-hmm. this incarnation, but to his lives as the doctor. That's one of my thoughts. The other one I'll mention really briefly is we mentioned trial of the Time Lord earlier in this. Could this just be another nod that if you look at the way he was acting and if going on my first point about this being his final regeneration that he was thinking that he would have, they said the Valley Yard occurred somewhere between his 12th and final regeneration. So that being said, maybe this way he was acting was to give us a Valley Yard, quote unquote, and I'm doing like Oz nine, quote unquote. I mean, that was definitely heavily discussed in fandom at the time. People were like, "Ooh, the Valyard. and some people even call Handy, you know, the the uh, Metacrisis Doctor. Sorry, I was calling Handy. Um, Handy. Anyway, uh, Handy. that's cool. They call him. Um, they, they're like, maybe he's the Valyard. You know, I mean, like, there's all these speculations that are around the Tenth Doctor and Tenth Doctor adjacent. You know, for because there's some dark stuff that happens there. I don't know. Hmm. To which I say the Valiard question mark. Oh yeah, have you not seen? <laughs> uh, Continue to ignore the Valiard. Yeah. <laughs> that means we need to review the fourteen-part trial of the Time Lord. That's true. Please. Good luck with that. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> a lot of people hate it, but I actually like it. Uh, so <laughs> you know, we've briefly talked about the final scene. And, you know, we've talked about him referring to the little people and we've talked about Adeline or Adelaide saying, you know, um, you know, you're wrong. What did you guys think of what she did? He basically takes them back to Earth. He saves three people. He can't save them all, but he saves three people. What do you guys think of him taking Gadget and the three people back to Earth? curious (laughs) curious <laughs> we leave gadget up for one thing oh <laughs> or gadget 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 yeah so why does gadget get left out in the street at the end of the story what, what just, happens to gadget? Yeah. <laughs> poor gadget yeah and they don't it's really there. say like what did people think like how did they get back on earth <laughs> you know no i'm glad they saved gwen chan though because she has a great career out of her and yeah know, yeah but but seriously, what did but you I guys like, think of that? I actually, I I think that's interesting, and I and I have to admit, uh, related to that scene, and I don't know if this is the same topic, but I absolutely love the way Mia reacts to the Doctor when she's like, "Oh my yeah. God, what is that thing? Yeah, what are you?" Because I feel like that's kind of more realistic. Yeah, why don't we see that more often? We get yeah. yeah, like she's like. What is that? Oh my God. And you know, and he's just like, Oh, is anyone gonna thank me? And she's just like out of there. She just bolts, yeah. you know. And I was like, Yeah, I feel that, Mia, you know. Yeah. It's the only time we ever hear anybody say it's bigger on the inside with right. revulsion and horror. Yeah. Which yeah. I love that little take yeah. on it. Mm. But does that have to do with how he was acting? Yeah, I think she he was being really scary. Yeah, he's and scary. I mean they were probably startled by the TARDIS to be fair. Yeah. You know, it just pops up. I guess I don't know if it it was around them. Like it's hard to tell with the way it's mm. filmed like if it if it materialized around them or next to them or you know whatever, but either way that's got to be freaky to just out of nowhere. He's not said, 
hey, I have a time machine. It's about to pop up. It's yeah. going to save us. Yeah. He just does it, you know, and suddenly they're on Earth. And um, and <laughs> really, he didn't, like, pick them because they were important. They just happened to be the two people, other two people that were there other than Adelaide. <laughs> the only survivors. Yeah, and Gadget was there because Gadget turned on the TARDIS, you know. Right. Okay. So, so did either did so did anybody have anything? Was there anything about? It? I'm curious if someone else picked up on my point that that was really my pet peeve of the entire episode. Did anybody find something that just didn't make any sense whatsoever in this, or did just really just like stood out as like okay, this just doesn't make sense. Did anybody feel that or have? anything in this final oh, scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when I watched this the first time and I felt it again this time, I, I was not liking this episode, not liking this episode, thinking, well, at least I don't hate it. And then Adelaide goes inside the house and apparently shoots herself with her ray gun, which means her family is now going to find her with a laser hole through her head or something. Yeah. And the, the news articles don't say that. And I thought, no, that doesn't save history. Now you're not somebody who who died heroically saving. You're somebody who came home and shot herself in the head. That doesn't. She gave her life for nothing, and I just think it's stupid. And I just thought, no, I no, love it okay, when I you know, get passionate about something. This is fine. I just. <laughs> I mean, also the, the doctor could have just them anywhere. The the doctor what, Clarence? He, he, he could have right. anywhere. Why did he take yeah. them back home? He could have brought them to another planet or Anytime. another time or something. <laughs> and people would think they were dead, but they just lived out their lives somewhere else. Okay, so answer this. How you've got these people who were on Mars, who were known to be on Mars, who miraculously and mysteriously yes. pops back up the same time at the same date that everything goes kabloomy on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah, you have to hope. Like, that, well, how did yeah, that? Work? The others they ran away and changed their identities. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're they're in a there's a Wikipedia thing that yeah. pops up and it's like interview with the survivors and it's Mia and um, Yuri. So they apparently oh. talked to the press. <laughs> You're right. So right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the doctor's a known entity. Yeah, so. I was just the doctor is like known, so I mean they possibly could use that as an excuse. Um, but I'll just mention real quick what I did love about that ending. It was sort of uh, like Back to the Future in a sense. Instead of a picture, we had web pages, which <laughs> uh, I just I just liked a little bit of, <laughs> you know. I did like the web page, but there was one thing that really bothered me, and that was my pet peeve. So. The grammar was incorrect on the web pages. No, Did no. Did you notice that? Was it? I didn't get that. I did there not was get that. Things like where there were like missing periods and random wow. stuff. But I mean, poor Jenny Fava, the second AD, she just like popped those out really quick. They're like, we just need some text, you know. And they're like, oh, okay, you know. Okay. So. Well, the the thing that really kind of like rubbed me the wrong way was how did they know that her history remained intact or her legacy remained intact. How do you know that someone's going to have a legacy and it remained intact? That didn't make sense. That heading, that headline to me just didn't look like make sense. How do you know somebody's legacy <laughs> was in jeopardy and that it remained intact? That didn't make any yeah. sense to me. Maybe she wrote a quick note. 
um, to her granddaughter. Yeah. I'm going to blow off my head, but... Hello, granddaughter. Before I kill myself, yeah. what I'm going to do is write you a note and say, I'm going to have a great legacy, but and I hope it remains intact. Please let somebody post a Wikipedia page. Thank you so much. I'm going to kill myself now. Bye-bye. No, that also, makes no sense. She's yeah. not supposed to be at Bye. Home. So when did they find her body? You know, I mean, like, they don't know she's dead at her house. Like, she wasn't supposed to be home. So... Eventually, they're going to just find her dead. Probably not right away, because why would they go to her house if the if the base blew up? Oh, mm. I guess I guess Mia and Yuri can be like, uh, "We left her outside the house. I don't know where she went." Yeah, but, yeah. For that matter, they might think if they ran off, uh, they could, for all intents and purposes, think the doctor killed her, or they killed her, or Yuri they killed her. Yeah. Mia. That's right. I think that's just a, 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 a um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just thinking, well, we could, bl- we could, we could blame Mickey instead, actually. Ah, there you go. That's there the thing to do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, guys, let me ask you a question. Before we get into our favorite quote and favorite scene, my question is, are there any other topics that you guys had written down or points that you had written down that we've not covered that you would like to touch upon? And, Clarence, I'll start with you. Um, I don't think i have anything the doctor hates robots <laughs> but then he likes robots by the end I don't, mm. but he likes robot dogs we do know that yeah he did say that. Mm. all right cool lee do you have anything else before we get to favorite quote and scene nope nicole what about you because <laughs> it's me i have multiple things but um one thing uh that really hit me uh that usually doesn't because of timing but the Barry Letts dedication at the end, just because it's just yeah. Ter- Terrence Dix just died, just the resonance of that those two, you know, together. I mean, obviously Barry Letts's death was eleven years ago or so, but just because Terrence Dix had just died and they were so tied together, I was just like, oh, it just like felt even worse. Then back then, you know, it just, I don't know, it just brought up this extra sting that I haven't had on rewatches because I had had some distance from Barry Letts' death. So I don't know that, that part, like, I was like, oh God, yeah, that was right around when Barry Letts died. So that was a big one for me. Um, I was sad that the Ice Warriors didn't show up, but I did like 10 speaking in ancient North Martian for that one scene. <laughs> Yeah, cool. I just love that. He oh, just breaks oh. out in Martian and they're like, what are you saying? <laughs> I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. Um, trying, I'm looking at my notes. I think that's most of it. Mostly it's a lot of me being excited because I, I, I'm like the opposite of Lee on this episode. <laughs> so like all the things like, I love this and I love that and I love this thing. <laughs> and so, but um, yeah, I think, I think that'll do. All right. So, all right. I have a quick question about the voices near the end. When I believe is David Tennant sometimes, but is it, is it other doctors as well? Y'all know what scene I'm talking about? No, it's it, it's all David Tennant. Um, really? I feel like I looked it up, and it's like they they are sound clips from other episodes of his. Like I think one was from oh god, I can't even remember. But when when I read the clips, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's from that scene, and that's from. So they were from earlier David Tennant episodes. Okay, I couldn't quite tell. So cool, 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 and, and cool question too. All right, so Clarence, I'll ask you this one first. Your favorite quote? What was your favorite quote from this episode? 
Do I have one? <laughs> uh, that's the Adelaide, Adelaide Brooke I've always wanted to meet. A woman with starlight in her soul. Ah, cool. Dr. Cool. Giddy Lee says to her. <laughs> All right. I, I, so I'm going to uh, give one real quick. <laughs> My favorite one was when when she said, but not for revenge, what would be the point of that? And I, I, I just thought that that was well said. So, but not for revenge, what would be the point of that? So, Lee, what about you? Favorite quote? I have no favorite quote from this episode. <laughs> I think your favorite quote was, uh, next time on Doctor Who. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Next time. All right. Um, Nicole, favorite quote? <laughs> I had five to choose from. So, let's see. Um, so my yeah. first choice, well, well, one of the ones that was kind of obvious for me was the state your name, rank, and intention, the doctor, doctor's fun. Because, of course, I have I that on my podcast. I forgot about that. Because I have that on my podcast. Exactly. I but I also. Yeah. Okay, I but also fair enough. Like, that is. Okay, that, you can have yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, my, my well, second right. favorite. That's, that is. Yeah, because it's, so, it's such the doctor. It's like the perfect quote. Um, but, yeah. Other one was um, when uh, he's talking to Adelaide and he says, uh, he's talking about her granddaughter and he says, she takes your people out into the galaxy because you die on Mars. You die today. And I just love the way he says, she flies out there like she's trying to meet you. I just thought that was really beautiful. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So favorite scene. And you know what? Just for the heck of it, Lee, your favorite scene. What was it? The next time trailer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I, I did enjoy the doctor taking control of Gadget and, uh, and 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 walking it into the TARDIS. I did think all of that was very cool and, and a nice bookend to him to him sort of sniffing at Gadget before, and then Gadget, you know, of course, saves them all. So you know, <laughs> turnabout is fair play. So I, I did really like that and and that close up that to show that Gadget has got his key. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> that was very so cool. So I, I did like that a whole lot. Mm, sweet. Clarence, favorite scene? My favorite scene is the scene Lee just explained. I thought it was fun. Um, I didn't really see it coming because, wow, that TARDIS was a long way away. But, you know, <laughs> I thought it was yeah. cool, especially with the gloves, uh, how he was, like, manipulating it, though far-fetched. <laughs> I thought it still looked pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, I love that scene as well. Mm, okay. Nicole, favorite scene? Um, well, okay, I did mention the Mia scene, but I think my other one is probably with the 10th Doctor in Adelaide, when the 10th Doctor's kind of, he's leaving, and he's kind of in that uh, chamber in his suit, and he's about to leave, but Adelaide has locked him in, and they have that sort of discussion, and he's telling her about, like, why she's important, and just the emotion in that scene, I just thought was like, they were so good together. I just love the two of them. Mm-hmm. And they're basically just as actors, just kind of working against a TV screen because they're, you know, in two different rooms. But it just felt like that scene had so much electricity. And I just, I really liked it. And he's like, she says, who's going to save you or something? And he says, Adelaide Brooke. And I was like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> mm. so, yeah, that was good. I, I give you that. But for me, my favorite scene was a combo of seeing Ood Sigma and then uh, hearing the cloister bell. Because help me out here, guys. I think 
this is the first time in New Who that we hear the cloister bell? It, it's the first time we've heard it sent for a regeneration since Legopolis. I did ah. find out that, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So Sweet. But, well, because of really? those two things, that was my favorite. So, all right, let's get into final rating. And, Nicole, since you are our esteemed guest tonight, final rating, I'll let you start out. What did you give on a one-to-five scale? <laughs> Well, it's only going to go downhill from here. So let's start at the top. Um, I'm a 5.0, actually five out of five. I think this uh, story is great for Halloween, which will be good for when this comes out, probably. Um, I was put it on my recommended Doctor Who for Halloween stories. Sweet. Um, And I just think it's the perfect end to the David Tennant's tenure as a doctor, because to me, end of time doesn't actually exist. So um, I just pretend it ends at this story. So, um, yeah, definitely five out of five. All right. All right. Clarence Brown, I'm, I'm going to go to you because I think it's like she said, it's going to go downhill. So I'm, if I'm guessing, yeah. I'm going to give you the next go. So what do you say? Yeah, while I think I enjoyed this episode and I actually had fun with it, but it ends off on just a horrible note. You know, I have to think to myself, like, what if this is the first Doctor Who episode you saw? You would think the Doctor was the biggest jerk ever. (laughs) And that's kind of where it leaves you. That's kind of where it leaves you. So, oh, man, I I had fun with it. I did not like the whole suicide thing. Uh, That's a very sensitive issue. And it kind of irked me the wrong way by the end. So even though I had fun, I loved it. I'm going to leave it at like a 4.0. Okay. All right. I was actually expecting it uh, to be a little bit lower, but four is good. But I'm curious now, Lee, what say ye? Well, I got to go three and a half. There's so much about this script that just makes me bananas. But Nicole has reminded me that it does have this splendid character of Adelaide and a you know, Lindsay Duncan is not responsible for the script. And she and David Tennant, especially in this scene that, that Nicole was just talking about, they are, well, Nicole's word was electric, and I, I, it's perfect. They they are just, uh, it snaps, it crackles. It's just marvelous. Um, and it's also visually, uh, uh, I, I like the design of the base on Mars, too. And that that's all real important to me. So um, love all that. Um, but yeah, I get three and a half. Mm, so this, this actually didn't come out how I was you? expecting. No, this didn't come out how mm. I was expecting. And I expected you to yeah. be at the bottom, Lee, and you weren't because I'm going to give it a 2.75. And I'm going to give it a 2.75 for several reasons. My, while I agree with everything that you guys said in the positive, I fall back on what Clarence just said about the first impression for a non-Hoovian that's never seen Doctor Who and what they would think of the Doctor. And I think upon watching it and the way it was done, I think they did the suicide as a dramatic effect, but I think it was well-intended, but poorly executed and from the ramifications of knowing you know uh, as clarence did say of how serious suicide is i think that if you're going to play with that trope 
play with it well, and I don't think they made their mark on that. So because of that, I'm going to give it a 2.75. So that's my two bits, 0.75. So I have a final question, and it's the question older than the universe, but it is a question we ask every single episode, and that is (laughs) Clarence Brown. Doctor Who? Doctor Who, (laughs) perhaps, or it could be Clarence Brown. If someone could find who could find you on the internet, where would they look? Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I know what you wanted me to do. You wanted me to say, Clarence Brown, if somebody could find you on them their internets, where might they look? What's the internet? Okay, <laughs> I can do a country accent. But, um, yeah, uh, check me out on Instagram or the Twitter. You wanted that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright so serious let me alright so from the top alright here we go alright so Clarence Brown if anyone could find you on the internet where might they find you yeah guys uh, you can check me out on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Ball, W-D-A-N-B-A-L um, yeah check me out there follow me and I post interesting stuff sometimes so yeah no food fix there you go. All right. Lee Shackelford, <laughs> what say ye? He does post interesting things sometimes. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, continue pointing people towards wifi.org right now, which will, which will in turn point you towards relativitypodcast.com. But right now we're pushing the wifi sci-fi.org because uh, people who love uh, uh, relativity or any of a, a number of other uh, quality science fiction narrative fiction um, will dig wifi sci-fi dot org. So just go check it out. Anyway, all right, cool. Nicole, what about you? Well, if you want to find my podcast, where I do in my most recent episode talk about Dragon Con, as uh, we mentioned early on, you can find that at terminus dot dot com, or you can find me on Twitter at terminus cast or Radiant Baby, that's my personal Twitter, but I don't use it as much as I probably should. But um, yeah, those are those are easy places to find me. All right, sweet. So I will point everyone who is a fan of audio dramas, and Lee just mentioned it a moment before, but I think it goes worth mentioning relativitypodcast.com. Of course, it stars none other than and is written by none other than Lee Shackelford. It stars also Clarence Brown and Cool Beans for me. Upcoming season, I will have a part in it too. So check us all out at relativitypodcast.com. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks to the three of you for being on here. And for everyone listening, we will be back with the end of time itself next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000. 
thousand titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?